Hello and welcome to the Good Darts Podcast. It is the podcast all about darts, but the quality cannot be guaranteed. It's brought to you by our friends at Low Six. And I thought I'd do something a bit different this week. That's why I'm talking to you on, what, Monday night now. I'm actually in another hotel in Germany, in Oberhausen, ahead of the European Championship. I've just spent seven hours on various trains travelling across Germany, which are much better, cleaner and more functional and on time than any British trains and cheaper as well. What a magnificent country this is. But I thought I'd do something different because I kind of let you down the last couple of weeks. We had technical problems last week, so we had a hasty emergency podcast with me and Murph sat in Frankfurt Airport. Uh, the week before, we had all kinds of organisational issues where Wayne and I just couldn't make it possible to speak to each other because we were all over the place. So I thought I'd do something a bit different. I was at the European Tour, the final one of the year, the International Darts Open. Only the four this year, disappointingly, cut down by more than 60% the European Tour season. And it is all gearing up to the European Championship. And look, it's been fantastic, the four events we've had. And just a word on that as well, uh, the predictions we made for low six, I don't know if anybody got on them. Uh, I went for Dave Chisnell as a seeded player to watch. I also went for Dirk van Dijvenboda. Dirk van Dijvenboda had withdrawn, so he wasn't involved. Murph picked out Joe Cullen, and he went on to win it, and he actually beat Dave Chisnell, and Chizzy was hopeless on that Saturday afternoon, so well done, Murph, that is the last time I'm inviting you on this podcast, because you've just completely embarrassed me, um, but if you are getting involved on the Low Six apps, and remember, if you do, got to be 18, based in the UK, gamble responsibly, and visit begamblerware.org if you're a friend has problems with gambling. But if you did follow that, then Murph might well have, have helped you earn a few quid, small stakes betting, to win actual cash prizes. And it will be up and running again for the European Championship, which gets going on Thursday. We will have a new podcast out with Wayne and I, hopefully, assuming that I can still do this from my hotel in Oberhaus, and it's letting me doing it right now. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk through some of the schedule for the European Tour, because the first round has just been set up after the weekend in Risa. But because the Euro Tour is so close to my heart, I've been doing it for a number of years now, and because we are living in strange times and I genuinely don't know what happens next year, because we were allowed 250 people in Risa over the weekend. It was supposed to be 1,000 at the start of the week and it got knocked down to 500, then not got, got knocked down again. Who knows what the European Tour is going to be like? I don't think that restrictions are going to see the Euro Tour return completely as normal for the start of next year. Now, PDC Europe are excellent, as are the PDC. They can put on tournaments at, at quite short notice. But it's going to be very, very difficult to go to lots of different countries doing sometimes tournaments every weekend for, for spells of the year for up to a month at a time. So it's going to be different and it's going to be difficult. And I don't really know what it means for the Euro Tour. And rather than get sentimental about it, I thought I'd just wander around for the weekend with my microphone, speak to some of the people that make the Euro Tour happen and try and give you guys a bit of a flavour of why it is, I think, one of the highlights of this sport. Not only do you get to see all the best players competing on a much more regular basis than the major championships, you get a diverse range of players, it's big stages, you get often, on normal times, bigger crowds than the major tournaments and we've seen some real standout moments, moments of catapulted players from the also-rans to being champions and launched them into the big time and, and many of them have stayed there. But I genuinely have so much love for the Euro Tour. I don't know what 2021 will hold for the European circuit, but at the very least, hopefully, 
this can give you a little bit of insight into how it all takes place. There's lots of people here talking, you know, from the markers and the technical people and I even spoke to some people that didn't quite make the cut because I've done this in a very haphazard way. I just wandered around with a microphone talking to people. And so it's not the greatest piece of work known to man. It probably could have benefited from a bit more planning. But you will actually get to hear the resurrection of Super Guile, which is a tune they used to play on the Euro Tour and now replaced it with the 180 song, which I've kind of grown weary of. But I brought back Super Guile for this. And you also get possibly, it might be the only time that PDC legend Steve Pegram, who's uh, about... Nobody knows how old he is. He just sort of plods around PDC tournaments. He's the guy that enters the actual scores into the computer system. He goes all over the world doing these peggers, like World Series events, Pro Tour events. He does it all, does peggers. He looks like a sort of six-and-a-half-foot-tall version of the granddad from Up, and he exists solely on a diet of coffee and fags. That's all he does. He just sort of stands out. You'll see him standing outside uh, darts events just with a fag on going, so I've just had a coffee, go go work now. He's a key cog in the PDC machine, but one that doesn't get a great deal of recognition. It's not like we've got an in-depth interview with him, but I think this might be the first time that Steve Pegram has ever been committed to any sort of media recording in relation to his role in the PDC. Admittedly, one time he's just trying to kick Richard Ashdown out of his seat. But there you go. Look out for that. Uh, I hope that some of you at least enjoy it. I hope that all of you listening do enjoy the Euro Tour because I think it's special. And I really hope it's back soon in its entirety. But we'll see. God bless. Euro Tour weekends often start in some random hotel in a weird provincial part of Europe somewhere. And this one's no different for the International Darts Open in Riese in what was the old East Germany. Now, as you can imagine, bits of the old East Germany are pretty Spartan, including this hotel I'm staying in. It looks like Marie Kondo has come through and just got about everything in the hotel room. Does this bring you joy? No? Get rid of it. But... The only thing that does set this apart is a weird picture of a German weightlifter on the wall. He looks like a sort of young, beardless Rafa Benitez. Why there is a picture of a German weightlifter on the wall, I do not know. But it only enhances the mystery and the magic of the greatest tour in professional sport. That's it putting your joy? Yes. Yes, Marie, it does. Das ist super geil, super geil, richtig super geil, super geil. Ich find's super geil, super geil. Pfeile werfen ist super geil. Right, we're backstage, we're in the players' room, which is somewhere I probably shouldn't be, certainly with a microphone, but uh, nobody's stopping me, so I'm just going to carry on. Ross Smith, a man who's just thrown the second highest average ever seen in the history of the International Darts Open. Are you aware of that? No, not a clue. <laughs> How good I'm was now. That, that must have felt good. Yeah, yeah, it felt great. Um, you know, I felt confident, felt really relaxed, didn't feel nervous whatsoever, which is, um, yeah, it's great. So, look, I'm basically trying to give people a flavour of what the Euro Tour is like. You've been sort of a regular on and off in European tour events over the last few years. Mm-hmm. How good's this? Yeah, the Euro Tour is it's basically 
it's like a TV events back at home. It's, it's no different really. At the end of the day, you, all the cameras are there. You're on a big stage. Um, you know, you've got thousands of people usually. Obviously not today, and with the current conditions. But yeah, it's it's like a TV event. So um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And the the European tour is um, it, it makes the the tour. If you get what I mean, everyone wants to qualify for the European events. They're massive. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody, Barnsley, Wigan, mm. or, you know, even when we're going abroad and playing those mm. proto events, they're great, and the money's been going up, but it can't compare to, to getting on a stage and playing no, in front of fellows. No, definitely not. And most players don't get that chance, no, do no, they? No, no, Playing in front of all, that's what, that's what you want, though, isn't it? You, you know, you don't want to play um, behind closed doors, and, you know, you, I know you go to Barnsley and your Wiggins and things like that, but there's no one there. Everyone wants to play on the TV, that, that, that's... That's their aim, and to play at the World Championships. So, these European events are—they're brilliant. It's just like mini TV events, really, and yeah, you know, they're, they're brilliant. Well, they're saying mini. mini; they're not mini. Bigger crowds, no. You get but more what, what I mean is, is yeah, what I mean is with like the TV events at home. Obviously, they're all on you know your Sky or your ITV, but over here, but they're just as big, and and the money is fantastic. The crowds are fantastic. The stage is massive. Yeah, it's brilliant. What are they? What are they like in this bit here? Because obviously, look, we're we're sat at Scott Marsh is at the same table as us here. What's what's the atmosphere like in these back room areas? Because it can get a little bit testy and feisty, particularly towards the latter end of the tour. Mm. So mostly, it's it's pretty chilled in there. Yeah, everyone's relaxed. Everyone gets on. I, I don't, I don't really see the feisty side, but. I've seen a fight. I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. two players being pulled yeah, apart in here before. Yeah, in this very yeah, room, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to name them. Yeah, you weren't yeah. one of them. You're safe. Nah. Yeah, well, this is it. I, I, I consider myself as a likeable guy. So, wicked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Yeah, I feel great. Just I'll do the same tomorrow. Just well, I hope well, so. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll do the same tomorrow. I'll just chill out and just yeah, just enjoy myself. And Knock out the bloke who's won this last two years, running. Yeah, I bothered. You know, we'll all uh, crack on. You know, is what it is. What, th- then it can get a bit feisty. Bit, fi- bit, bit of beef we're going for us? Nah, nah, oh, Come nah. on. He's a pussycat. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> super walk-ons. Super pop songs. Super stimmung. Super guy. Super snake bite. Super wizard. Super chizzy. Super guy. Hubert Ware, Hugh What When Ware, PDC referee. When was your first Euro tour, Hugh? Well, first of all, how many times do I have to tell you my name is not Hubert? You tell me all you like, it's I'm still going to call you <laughs> Hubert. Um, my first Euro tour event, oh God, when was that? July 2017, European darts match play in Hamburg. Was that your first big stage event in the PDC or had you done TV stuff by then? I had done TV stuff, but I'd done board two. So yeah, I think I think like it actually Minehead. was. Yeah, in Minehead, sorry, yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. yeah, in Minehead I'd done I think by that stage I'd done two UK opens and one players championship finals. But I think I spent all of that time on board two. I hadn't been on the main stage by then. So yeah, I think you I think you're right, it probably was. So Eurotours uh, until that point and the sort of twenty seventeen started until you started doing things like Premier League, mm. they've been the biggest crowds you've done stuff to, I'd oh, imagine. Actually, yeah, that's right. I did a Premier League before the European Dance Match race. Sorry, ignore everything oh, I just right. said. Okay, I did do a yeah. Premier League night. Sorry, yes, I did Barney and Chizzy in Exeter okay. in 2017. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but it was still, that's it's still a big deal doing the Euro yes. Tour, isn't it? It, it is, because, um, I mean, it was certainly my longest um experience if you like you know on the main stage like that Barney Chizzy game was one game half an hour and it was done whereas here you're, you're half an hour on stage 
twice a session. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So like just to have different players to referee for um, different kinds of matches, different um, speeds and tempos and different crowds and atmospheres and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, like that, that did, it did really help. How does it compare? Because a lot is made of the fact that so many of these are in Germany, you get German players and the German crowd do sometimes make it difficult for players. Have you you've had to have words with the German crowd before? Yeah, I have. There was one game between Max Hopp and Keegan Brown, I remember, and it was the very first game of the evening session. Like, it wasn't like it was late on, mm. you know, and everyone was kind of, you know, up for it. it was literally the very first game of the session. Um, and there was a guy, um, I, I, he was booing and whistling and all the rest of it. So I just gave him a quick thank you. And he soon... Go on, give, what, give us your... Best. Oh no, I What's couldn't. No, I couldn't replicate it. You. Well, no, because I was really angry at the time. Because Man United had just lost four nil. Like, that's actually <laughs> too narrow it down. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, to Everton last year. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Remember. We lost to Everton. I think um, I spent the rest of the evening taking the mick out of you. You did. I remember. And then um, I went on stage for the, like the first game of the of the night. Um, so I was in a bit of a bad mood. Oh, did so I literally just I literally just went thank you like that. Ooh, oh, yeah. oh, that was stern. Oh no, it was proper. Oh yeah, that was stern. Uh, yeah, he soon stopped. What's your take <laughs> on it? Because it is like. There's one argument that says, look, they pay the money, they they can boo and jeer and do whatever they want. But ultimately, I mean, if you're, you know, we've seen it in major tournaments before. Michael Van Gerwen at the match play when he played Phil Taylor and when Phil won his last one, he's got that's the worst crowd I've ever seen in terms of the vociferous nature. He was booed from dart one. It, it's not an easy thing to negotiate your way through, is it? No, it's not. It's a difficult thing to balance. Um, I tend to step in more when a player has genuinely been distracted. Like if someone has absolutely maliciously called out miss just as they're about to throw their last dart to double or they... Because um, a lot of the time, like if, 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 if they're booing en masse... You don't notice. That there's just a wall of noise. Yeah. Whereas if one person shouts out miss... Um, you know, at a crucial moment, and that gets heard, mm. then that's actually arguably more damaging than if someone's just if there's just a wall of noise coming at you. Um, so if, if somebody is being genuinely, like with Keegan Brown, like a guy was being sort of maliciously trying mm. to put him off, you know, because I literally just called for water like two seconds before he started whistling, yeah. and then that's when I went in again because he was being malicious. What? Is the best atmosphere you've encountered on the Euro Tour? What's your? Have you got any like particular tournaments you look back on and go? That was a great one. Man. I think probably when Max Hopp won his Euro Tour Saarbrücken. against Michael Smith in Saarbrücken, because um, there were about five thousand people in there. Oh, it wasn't that many. Hugh. Oh, was it not? No, oh, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was a bit... about two and a half. Oh, was it? Maybe, <laughs> sorry. Maybe three at a push. Oh, okay. But sorry. Um, the, the biggest crowds we've had. Venray had the biggest. That was that was four thousand people, oh, which right. is a lot. Okay. It's a lot of people. Yeah, that's like Minehead main stage. Yeah, oh, do you know, for some reason I thought it was 5,000, so ignore me. But when you've got them crammed into a venue, I mean, we're here in Riza, this is a massive, massive hall, and even when everybody's allowed in, we've only got limited numbers allowed in this mm. weekend, even when we've had a full crowd of 2,000 or 2,500 or whatever, it's still, there's loads of spare space around the outside. But places like Saarbrücken or Graz, first year we went to Graz, so I don't think you were there, that was 2,000 people and they were hanging off the rafters. Mm. Like the atmosphere in in those venues can be can be electric, can't they? You don't need ten thousand at a Premier League. Two thousand in, a, in a, a packed room can be even better. But what's it like up on stage? Oh, it, it, it was it was fantastic. I think that's probably the reason why I thought there was five thousand because they were making mm. that much noise. Mm. No, they're making it two and a half. We're making enough noise for five thousand. Um, I mean, it was just so loud. I remember, like, because Max he played the final against Michael Smith, and I did that, and he went out on the ball, and he stopped um, for. 
a few seconds yeah. before we went for the ball, do you remember? Um, and then just hit bangs man. The crowd were, oh, you know, as he's going up to the balls. And then he hits it and just like, it just, the whole place just like exploded. It was just absolute carnage. So, so much noise. It was great. I mean, yeah, moments, moments like that and tournaments like that. I mean, where did they rank? People all talk about, you know, oh, the world championships and world match plays and everything, Premier League finals, and these are the, these are the showpiece events. But when you come down to it about, genuine tournaments that can change individuals lives players that you've watched for years or whatever or particular atmospheres personally i think the euro tour can rival the vast majority of of tv events but i mean you know what's your take from somebody who's up on stage while these moments are happening um well uh, yeah i mean i totally agree like i think you can tell me i'm talking rubbish if you want oh no no you're not no like these these tournaments like they're so uh, important for players to gain big stage experience because I, I think like so in my personal opinion I think when Rob Cross came along he was able to play on the very biggest stages so quickly so well because he had had a, a wealth of European tour experience and th these events were giving him that big stage experience in front of big crowds um, when I'm on stage um, you, you try not to think about what's at stake for a player really mm. um, you just try and just referee the game of darts um, as, a, as opposed to anything else but w when you're on stage it's I mean, it's a challenge for me because you're doing two best of 11 matches back to back and then you have a break for two and then you're back on for two. Um, so it, it, it is a bit of a test uh, for, for myself as well, but, but I enjoy it. Um, and as you said, as we were saying earlier, like it, it, it has given me a lot of experience. Like if I'm not doing like the big majors, then to do European tour events gives me a real sort of, you know, a, a sort of a boost of confidence if you like that when I do go and do those big majors well I'm, I'm kind of used to them because I've done events in front of two and a half thousand people not five thousand or five thousand <laughs> not five thousand but two and a half three twenty five thousand yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or 150 or however much or, yeah. or 150 as it is tonight what, yeah. are you on game one and two tonight I am yes yeah. so I got my fellow Welshie Jamie Lewis and Robert Marianovich and then Titus Kanik and Martin Schindler okay so don't mess up you I'll, Don't I'll, mess up. What, like this Don't afternoon? Don't make a mistake. <laughs> did you make a mistake this afternoon? Yes. Do you know? Do you, do oh, you did that? check. Yeah, there was I a did. Check. There was a check. Check. 50. I mean, I corrected it, which was, you know, that's something. But yeah, for, apparently, eighteen and eighteen and fourteen is forty-eight. Apparently, well, who, knew? who knew? Who knew? Uh, I, well, I did. Unfortunately, you made a mistake. So I'm gonna have to delete this entire interview. Uh -huh. But uh, thank you for your time anyway. Bye. Bye. Right, I'm backstage. I am with Dion Lan the greatest darts director on the planet. That's right, isn't it, Dion? Well, you say it. I do say it. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. You what? tell me. Well, okay, well, you no. tell me. You've, you've done lots of directing, a lot of this sport. How does the team on this compare with like a full TV production? It's different. You have only one camera operator here instead of a full crew on the floor. But wait, um, Dion, how can you do that and make a product that looks like a TV event? How does that happen? Because we all have the same heartbeat then. We all have the same heartbeat. Yeah, the cameraman, the spotter, me, we are one. We are one. That's yes. special. That's it special. is. It is. How, how is it's this, fun. How has this changed in the time that you've been doing it? I, last week, when we were in Sindelfing, it was my five-year anniversary. <laughs> so five years before that was my first event in Sindelfingen. Um, so our boss, Robert from Keytown, he just invented a new system uh, for the dartboard, which makes it so easy for us to well, cover the board. 
Well, yeah, it does because it's all it's it's different how from how a TV production works, isn't it? But it allows you to do stuff that even TV productions are. You're getting shots and you're getting stuff. If you're watching the Euro Tour as a fan, you're getting stuff that you wouldn't get from a normal TV production. Despite the fact this is a team of five people, effectively. Yes, indeed. Um, I think the key thing is that Richard Ashdown, a spotter, he just can instantly give me a shot. Even if there's a slight chance a player goes for like a 13 or something, or like Scott Baker did earlier on. I Idiot. don't want to talk about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's that, yeah, that's fun. And he can, he doesn't have to tell a cameraman a million options. He can just give them to me instantly, mm. and I can cut to them straight away. So it goes really quick. It goes all the way we want. And Richard and I work so often together. We both know what's going to happen. Does it, does, it, does it feel like you are one with Richard Ashtown? Sometimes. The big man and the little man. Working together <laughs> like one glorious machine. I didn't know you can sing then. I didn't either. No. That just came out of me organically. <laughs> Phenomenal. I made too many mistakes. I can make also mistakes. I'm human. I'm not a robot. Of course, he's a phenomenal player. I did the right things at the right moment. The right things, phenomenal. The right moments, phenomenal. 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 Phenomenal things. We're back in the Saxon Arena. It's day two. We've just seen an absolute shed load of action yesterday. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Paul Nicholson's been talking everybody through it as a commentator. You've got a unique perspective, Paul, in that you've played in these and you've commentated. So you've seen how this has changed. How has the Euro Tour changed over the years? That's a fabulous question. Uh, Thanks. The size of it, for starters. I mean, I remember when we used to go to Wiener Neustadt, which yeah. is where it all started. I mean, that was an enormous arena and it was a very exciting time. But you think about the, the size of all of the arenas that we go to now. We had a, a mix of, say, Wiener Neustadt. We had Newland, where you get maybe 200 people in there. Ah. And that was the 2012 Dutch Masters that Whitlock won. So you saw the ambition, but you didn't see the plethora of arenas that we have now. You look at Risa, you could easily get 6,000 people in here. Uh, but you see the amount of backstage staff that we've got as well, and the amount of work that PDC Europe have done to turn this into what you call the uh, greatest tour in professional well, sport. And I'm totally with you. Well, no, I do. Because look, you've, you've also commentated on big TV majors and stuff. And I know that backstage there's what TV there's a load of faffing there's loads of people you've got no idea what they do there's people running around all over the place you've got no idea people's names or anything even like you know dig this is quite a very small knit team and yet you've got bigger crowds out there in a normal year than you would do for most TV events yeah very much so I mean you, you look at when we travel to these events we, we know pretty much everybody's name there's a great kinship between the guys who do the chalk and the uh, stats, the the director, the camera operators, you know, the director, the commentators, everybody's got a really nice uh, relationship. And we look at it like a European tour family. Oh, isn't that nice? Of course it's nice, you cheesy. Super Scheibe, super Pfeile, super Männer, super Geil, super Würfe, super Stimme. Right, uh, I'm backstage here in 
this strange little arena with, for some reason, a drawing of a cheerleader on the wall. I don't know. I mean, that was here before the boss no, no, beats no, you. No, no, that you put that up. No, no, I told them that I wanted to have that tree. <laughs> yeah, always, and I wanted to have this tree in the corner. Yeah. It's always, and these leather seats were specially designed. Yeah, yeah, because I love them so much. And and you deserve it because you are Werner van Molke, the head of PDC Europe. Uh, Werner, where we are today, compared to where you started all this from, does it surprise you, this journey that you've been on and where it's got to? Well, uh, the, it, it's not a surprise, or, um, because to be honest, when I started all this, it was my aim to get to this level. Uh, and it was also the aim of, of, of Barry Hearn, of PDC. I mean, we, we didn't all start this to, to, to stay small, okay? Mm. So <laughs> there was an aim, there was a goal to grow. And uh, yeah, I think it, uh, it's been a, a good journey, uh, um, kind of a success story, uh, but all backed on the, on the PDC because I'm just, like, I'd say, riding the, the waves the PDC created and I try to do my best here in, in continental Europe. Um, but now, you know, sometimes you say when it, it all went good the last years and now we have a new situation and uh, new challenges and uh, I think um, the PDC really uh, does a great job how to handle this, to keep the, the game alive, to keep on going as uh, Winston Churchill always said, if you're going through hell, keep on walking, you know, and I think that's true. Uh, um, and um, to show the world the, that not the show must go on, it's, uh, but yeah, somehow the show has to go on. Our life has to go on. Our, everything has to go on. And uh, we want to, to uh, I say to prove, we want to show that it, that it works. I mean, that's in life, there's uh, always, I think, two kinds of, of people. The ones that can explain to you why, why it's not possible. Mm -hmm. And the others can explain to you how it can be done or how it can be made possible. Yeah, I, I'm very much in the former category, but I'm glad I work with people like yourself who do do yeah. the latter, because yeah. this takes a lot of, just, how do, how do you end up in places like Risa? We're, I mean, this is a strange place. Uh, <laughs> in the middle, of, this is a hard one to get to. Yeah, yeah like, true. Venray, Venray is in the middle of fields. Yeah. In bits of the Netherlands I didn't even know existed. How does this come about? <laughs> well, at the end of the day, it's um, we we wanted to grow, and we looked all over Germany, continental Europe, where we could be, where we could go. Saxony itself is a is a mature state of of Germany. There's big cities like Leipzig and Dresden, growing cities, young people, uh, university cities, no uh, outgoing cities. And so we, we tried to go to Saxony and uh, Riesa is in the middle of Dresden and Leipzig. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a small town, but it's a sports town. It's been a center for sport in, in the last, or even in the further eastern uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. This has been a, a highly competitive city. There's a lot of sports, uh, how you say, campus were here. And, um, and the people and, the, and also the venue, they were outgoing. They were looking for, for um, uh, or how you say promoters to come there to do their sports events there and here are boxing fights here are, there's a lot of stuff is in this arena mm -hmm. so um, and uh, and at the end of the day you have to look about economics price uh, possible dates uh, all this does it fit into your calendar and blah 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 so uh, yeah but at the end of the day it, it works here it's always been economically uh, uh, how you say viable so mm -hmm. we, uh, it was always good 
I know it's a challenge to get here, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I mean, like, what happens? I mean, Michael van Gerven, the last six years, he was not here, now, mm. different times. He said, okay, now this year I find a way to get to Riza somehow. Mm. It is possible. Yeah, it, it is, is possible. possible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So. I, I know that we're in strange times. I'm trying to ignore the whole COVID thing because I wanted to give people a flavour of the European tour. And right now, it's not the same as it's been for most years. But in an ideal world, if things did get back to normal at some point this year, how big could this get? What's the aim? Is there an end goal? We want we want to do a good job. I don't. We want to grow. We want to improve. <coughs> we don't have figures that we need or want to reach. It's not like Barry Hearn says you have to sell uh, four hundred thousand tickets next year or something. We want yeah. to grow. We want to be uh, how you say um, reasonable, uh, realistic, and try to do a good job. And this is something we need to work on because. Success has always the danger of getting lazy, of taking things for granted, of mm -hmm. uh, you know not looking into things anymore too much. And uh, we also we 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 also learned something uh, in the last year. We started to do weekly feedback on all our events, and we learned that we've forgotten some things. Like what? <coughs> you know, like really taking care of what customers want and need and what they criticize and what they don't and what it's about and we learn a lot of things that's also about smaller things like food you can get at the event, mm -hmm. uh, quality of your seat, mm -hmm. uh, 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 hygiene of the toilets, uh, load, all those things um, and um, <clears throat> I think we all need to question ourselves once in a while to see what we can do better and that's what we started and uh, we learned a lot of things. We got a feedback which we we want to improve. We need to, how do you say? We need to uh, once in a while think about all the the entertainment program, the music we do, the videos we show. Mm -hmm. It all has to the lightning concept. The, and so it's we started and we took it too long. That yeah, it works. So it can stay like that forever. No, that's not. You have always have to 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 improve. The fan experience on a European tour. Do you think, for the price and everything, that's as good as any experience in darts you can get? For the amount of games you see, for the product you get. I, I maintain that Euro Tour is the best tour in professional sport. I think it's as good, you'll get more bang for your buck on the Euro Tour than you do in a major tournament. In fact, you are right, but... No, I was right. No, and you're right in terms of, how you say, uh, uh, what do I get for my money? Mm. That's the best product you can have. Mm. But we all forget psychology mm -hmm. and we also see it every time we have a TV event on, we sell more tickets yeah. because people somehow judge an event higher if it's on TV. Yeah, and you know, well, obviously and the World Championship is big <coughs> and the European Championship. Yeah, yeah but, but it's straight, even you see the same people. Yeah, and they the same quality, and you know what they can play here. They have we played 115 averages here. Everything it's it's the same good players. It's Michael Van Gerven here. It's mm -hmm. uh, Ian White. They're all here. I mean, it's Peter Wright. They're all playing here. Same, but as it, it's not on TV. Somehow the uh, some people think it's not that mm. that uh, highly ranked or whatever. Anyhow, but in 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 the base, in the fact, you are right. That's the best um, price quality. Um, you can get in uh, in sports. <clears throat> Just finally, it's become massive in Germany. 
they're, the darts manufacturers are now making more money in Germany than they're making in the UK. It's a, it's a huge, huge market. It's getting more attention on TV and, and has been for a few years. Do you think the Euro Tours played any part in that? Or is it just the fact it was on TV and the Germans like sports and they like dressing up in silly outfits and singing along? Um, both of it. I think, um, of course, the, the, the PDC, the, the World Championship, especially, have been the, how you say, the, the main, I would say, locomotive, the main, yeah. Yeah, the, driver, the, main, the main driver, the main force. But of course, uh, all the tours we did and the, we, the possibility to, to get the experience in your own, how you say, territory, you don't have to travel to the UK, you can really experience it, it uh, I think made it, gave it another, how you say, uh, another hook or another gear uh, <clears throat> for, for, for making darts uh, big in Germany. And uh, yeah, it's not just TV, but TV is, is the main driving force. Mm. Uh, that's, and we then gave them the experience to, to, to the, the chance to have that experience they could follow on TV here uh, at, their, at their hometown or in their region probably. And one more question before I let you go, Werner. Are you familiar with the term that is quite common on the European tour now? Uh, you've been Vernard. That's where somebody, somebody <coughs> has made you drink more Jägermeister than you actually wanted. Even if you didn't want any Jägermeister, but you have to drink it because otherwise you might get fined by PDC Euro. I never heard of that, man. Uh, it's, it's a complete rumor, and uh, I, I heard this rumor now for 15 years. Uh, it can't be true. No. Vital part of the Euro Tour. It is the catering. What are the two constituents of the catering on the Euro Tour, Nicholson? Meat and stodge. Meat and stodge. What's the meat? What's the meat? What meat have we got? Chicken. Chicken. Are we, are we still recording? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Chicken or sausage. Standard Euro Tour fare. Mystery meat is a regular on the Euro Tour. You don't know whether it's bat, you don't know whether it's owl. It might be human, but it does the job. players do moan they do moan they don't tend yeah. to moan about going to the worlds they don't tend to moan about going to the match play unless you're vincent but they do moan like coming to risa that some of them just think this is this is horrendous don't they or going to what's the hardest one you found to get to risa did you go to venray uh i didn't go to venray uh, I always thought that coming to Risa was a bit of a, a troublesome trip, but then you look at someone like John Henderson who always gets two flights somewhere, wow. and you, you do sympathise with people like that, but ultimately, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put them on direct flight routes all the time? I mean, think about the guys who play in the DPA tour in Australia, the guys who play in the CDC in America and Canada. They've got long drives when they've landed. So coming to Germany and flying to Berlin in a three-hour train ride, it's nothing. So stop whinging. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Get on whinging. with it. Yeah, I have to. I mean, admittedly, I agree entirely with that. But then I went to Venray and had to get, I think I was working in the morning at the radio station. I had to get a flight to Holland uh, and then get a train and then another train. And then I got to Venray, this tiny little town where there was just fields. There's nothing there. And it, ironically, the biggest Euro Tour venue we've had, we've had 4,000 people in Venray when we go there. But 
because it's so small and the Dutch are weird, you can't get on a bus unless you ring them up first and tell you you're going to get on the bus. So I'd waited for this bus for half an hour. It was the last one of the night. And then the bloke just said, no, you can't come on because you haven't told us you were going to get the bus, which defeats the bloody object of having a bus, <laughs> I would have thought. But this is it's growing though, isn't it? I mean, where do you want to go? We were supposed to be in Hungary this year. That would have yeah. been amazing. Yeah. Where would you like to see this go? In an ideal world, one without a bubonic plague sweeping across. I think we understand the concept that in normal circumstances, Germany is a big cash cow. Mm. They put a lot of money behind the bar. They've got great support. They buy a lot of merchandise. But ultimately, I think the entire European tour needs to branch out north and east. So if you look at maybe having the event in Gibraltar, which I still think works with a new venue, but if you go further north towards Scandinavia, we need to start finding some players there because all of the guys from that area of the world, uh, say Finland, Sweden, they're all older. We need to start finding the next generation there. I think we need to go east towards Lithuania and Latvia. And I think Poland is a no-brainer because there are lots of direct flights to Poland from all over Europe. And I think potentially we could go towards Italy and Croatia as well. But it does depend on logistics. Uh, how, how much of this is you thinking, oh, well, this isn't the good of the game? And how much of this is, I want some nice weekends in Croatia and Italy and Stockholm? Well, I've been looking at things like uh, social media and there's a lot of support for Steel Tip Dart in Italy. I just don't there, think we've found some, it. Yeah, there's some young players playing on the dev tour. They've, they've, they're getting better. And this, how effective are these things actually raising the level of the game, though? How I effective think they, are they? Do, they do a huge job. I mean, look at what talent we've had come through admittedly the Germans have had more qualifiers in this tournament it's given us more information as to how deep the talent pool is and we've got Franz Roach coming through now he can play well Martin Schindler was literally a steward on the Euro Tour originally and now well he was German number two he runs at the World Cup gone deep in proto events he's a player I mean he's, he's having a tough time at the minute and if he has a run today could be massive for him because it could get him in the world to keep hold of his tour card get him to the Euros potentially Yeah. but that's that's literally a Euro tour find isn't it? It is and we need to keep going to different countries and unearthing this talent because without this little vehicle or this big vehicle we aren't going to find them they're not going to just pop out of nowhere that just doesn't happen the World Series has shown that we can find the talent if we go there and give them something to aim for it hasn't worked in North America for whatever reason uh, whether it's just too big a, a place to unearth this talent, we just don't know. It's really worked in Australia. It's worked in New Zealand. And I think the Asia Tour needs a lot of credit because we're starting to unearth some talent over there. That will take time. But the Euro Tour needs a lot of credit for what they've found in the last eight years since it started in 2012. The darts. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Just... <laughs> Every professional will tell you Oh, it's tremendous. I think it's an absolutely genius idea. I think it's been fantastic. That's just absolutely amazing. It's always great. Here's the back of my neck, we're standing up. It's made my night. I think it's made everybody out there tonight. I don't think I'll ever witness anything like that again. It was just... <laughs> I'm actually speechless. That's just phenomenal. Sunday morning. Backstage, surrounded by not many desks, to be fair. There's only sort of three massive Uber desks with a load of screens and equipment. And there's a weird Dutch bloke stood there. Who are you? 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Robert. Robert, okay, yeah. right. You're you're the supremo behind the coverage. You're you're the main man. You make all of this happen and broadcast around the world. How? How do you do it, Robert? Well, first of all, I'm just a proud daddy here. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a bunch of great guys. Um, they love the arts. They love to show it to the people at home. Mm. Um, and I've given them a few tools they can use to do it in the best way I think is possible. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But that, yeah. it's only a small team. How yes. many? How many people you got working this weekend? Uh, on the Euro tour, we use five people. Five. We, we are with five. Yeah. And you're producing something that a big TV company would. How, you, you used to be a cameraman yourself for, yes. for TV, and you used yeah. to work on the darts. Yeah. How many people would it take for a normal TV production to put this sort of thing out? Approximately twenty to thirty. Right. So I mean, this is this is properly slimmed down. That that yeah. surely that means that the five people have to be doing the work of six people each. Well, um, first of all, we've been doing very clever with the cameras because we use remote cameras, so we don't have to use one operator per camera, mm. but one operator can operate about three or four cameras. Um, that makes it already slimmed down we had to because it was for internet live streaming only where the budgets are smaller so you have to be inventive and think of smarter stuff well you, you say be inventive look take us through these screens here because we've got loads of different camera angles and loads of things that you've added in even some of the angles that we get on the euro tour you don't see those on on tv production sky and itv you don't even have those um i wouldn't say they don't have them um they just have a a lot a lot of angles which I think they don't really think about mm. they just have them because they've always used them and they well they don't l they're not looking for a change I think they are comfortable the way they have been doing it for the, oh, the last what's that 20 years mm. uh, while we had to uh, change things to make it cheaper um, so if you want to go over stuff the most important thing is you know the old-fashioned way of showing the board on darts is you have a manned camera zooming in on all the doubles and um, he had a operator in his ear or a spotter I mean in his ear saying where the next shot was going to be and he had to pan around the board so that's one camera then they have cameras for up and down on the board etc so you have the spotter you have three or four cameras and a camera operator with us, it's just one camera on the board, and by some some great technology, we divide that one shot into all the different shots on the board, and it's all been operated by just the spotter. The spotter now doesn't sit back and just shout things. He operates a tablet, um, and the, the tablet gives him all the shots from that one camera angle. I mean, you've had to do this to try and make it viable economically to do it for the money but in actual fact have you actually found a way of doing it better and quicker do you think yeah but when we had to invent something new and cheaper we we got back to the drawing board and said if we want to make it cheaper is there a way to make it even better mm. you know and along the way you find ah but if we use this software this way we can also add things they come for, for free with the system. It's really difficult to explain, but that happened. You know, the system we use, for example, is really good in cutting out the doubles, but mm. we found out that if you have two presets and you go from one preset to the other, you get a zoom, like a proper camera is zooming, but we do that digitally now. We found out it happened. So for example, when the second dart lands in the trouble 20 bed, 
normally the cameraman would zoom in to the Trouble 20 bed just to show the close-up of that and it gives a bit of excitement. We found out with this system we can do exactly the same, but in a more perfect way and every time over and over again because it's just a software thing doing mm. it. So we found out that we could do it better with a cheaper system. How important is it? Get everybody on this team, and you've got you've got a little pool of people, but it's it's by and large the same small group of people that go around all the Euro tours. How important is it that they're all darts fans and they understand it? Because I've worked on TV events and lots of the producers and the, they, some of them they they have no idea about darts. They don't even know who Michael Van Gerwen is. But all of you guys, you really need to know the game and understand it to be able to do this properly, don't you? Well, we do 47 matches a weekend. Um, so if you don't like darts, <laughs> then it's a terrible weekend, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you love darts, you, you, you enjoy every match. And if you enjoy the time you're working at it, you're, even, you're able to put more energy in it and get a better result working because you just love it. So it's not a vital thing, but it helps a lot to make it so as good as it is. Because these guys, they love the darts, but what's, what they love more is to do every match 100%. Richard this morning said, you know, the fun part is we start on Friday um, giving it 100% and we grow each match a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. We, we, every match, they, they try to do it better and better and better and better um, because they love the darts. Is and this... The, the stuff that's happened on the Euro Tour, the stuff that you've been doing, the way that this has been covered, do you see this as changing how darts is going to be covered in future? Because you did the World Series finals because yeah. ITV couldn't go there, wouldn't send people out to a different country. You're going to be doing the European Championship. Do you think this is the future of, of darts broadcasting, doing it in this way? First of all, obviously I hope um, because that's good for us. But I think it's also good for the people at home. Daniela, one of our markers on the Euro Tour. How long have you been doing this now, and what does the European Tour mean to you? I'm here in PDC Europe for three years, uh, but as a marker for PDC Europe, I so three years in PDC Europe here on big stage, and before that, I worked for a PDC on East Europe qualifiers in Austria. I think been seven or six years ago, and from then, and it's a big pleasure, of course, and I like to do this. I feel good. We have a good team here, and yeah. So when you started doing the qualifiers, did you ever think you'd be going all around Europe on big stages, marking games for Michael Van Gerwen, and then getting your chance on, in big TV events as well? Yeah, of course. Um, I was thinking about that. Yeah. You, oh, you were. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I won't lie. Yeah, I always wanted to be a part of it. Peggers, Steve Pegram, yes, are you preparing for the final day of the Euro Tour? Uh, with a coffee as normal yeah. and then we'll be on our way to get started. Just a coffee? Just a coffee. Not a load of fags? Maybe one or two. <laughs> <laughs> this is work for you, you do a lot of work, and yeah. a lot of important work, yeah, but it's also fun. Isn't it? Like this is this is quite a good team. It's more like a fun, of course. <laughs> and the best thing is if you can work and do something what you really love, and if that's fun for you, that's the best way, I think. Uh, have you got sick of the same music they play on this Euro Tour, though? <laughs> or, do you, or do you go home and play the same songs? Um, 
my daughter. Your daughter, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she tries to play darts too. Yeah. And she likes this song. She know the she knows the players and she always sings the songs, you know. And uh, yeah, sometimes I say just stop that, please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like everything about darts. Are you are, are you now one of the biggest? names in Hungarian darts just by being a marker. Now you've done TV tournaments and if you go back to your home and you get, you're involved in any darts or whatever, you hang around with Michael Van Gogh and you hang around with Peter Wright. Yeah, like, you're, you're, a big, you're a big star in Hungarian darts. I, I don't want to say something like that but uh, yeah, some uh, I have some friends and they all know what is going on here and I tell them some stories, not everything of course, but um, but when I meet someone who I see only once or twice in a year, there are all the same questions. Do you know this player? How he behaves? And what is he doing? What? So, yeah. Do you tell the truth or do you lie? Never lie. No, never lie. <laughs> okay, that's dangerous for some of the players. What are your favorite favorite moments, favorite memories from the Euro Tour, favorite experiences that you've had while you've been doing it? My first uh, final. Yeah. It was a interesting story because that was my second tournament. And uh, I thought I will mark the final, but later. And we had some problems in the backstage, and they just said two minutes before we went up, come. And uh, I was nervous. I I was standing there, and I was thinking, oh my God, what if I make some mistake? Never, no one knows that this is my, not my job here. And <laughs> yeah, and I never, I will never forget that. Which but final was it? Where was it? It was in Munich mm -hmm. uh, in 2018. And it was between Peter Wright and Michael van Gerwen. Ah, so <laughs> pretty one. big game. Yeah, of course. And I marked for Michael van Gerwen. And yeah, I was pretty nervous then. But um, after that came a lot of things, nice things. Who's the nicest player? Mm, I don't know. Mar Who's the worst player then? Which is, which is easier to answer? I can't say something <laughs> like that. <laughs> No, 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 I, I like uh, many of them, but uh, the first who came to me and he was pretty nice to me was uh, Mervyn King. Mervyn yeah. King! <laughs> yeah. We're going to leave it there. Mervyn King is a very nice man. Little Richard Ashdown, among many other things in the world of darts, the finest spotter on planet Earth. Possibly beyond that, Final session of the Euro Tour coming up for the year. What what does the Euro Tour mean to you, Richard? Well, there's only one man I know that loves the Euro Tour more than I do, and that's you, Dan. Mm -hmm. So I think you know better than anyone what it means to me. Uh, in terms of, let, let's speak about the sport first of all, yeah. and what it brings. I think it's only in recent years that people have realised what an impact and, and how important these events are for the sport of darts. We've seen so many players emerge from these events with the big stage experience they get uh, in front of the big audiences in years gone by and the way it progresses them neatly into the, the major events but if we're going to be a little bit more selfish about it and think about how much we enjoy these events and so many great players on one day one after the other bang 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 all the matches out on stage the brilliant coverage the great team we have to work with I, I don't think you can really knock it can you? Oh No you can't I won't I, I won't at all, it's the greatest tour in professional sport, but what does what are these final sessions like? They're kind of weird these Euro Tour weekends because you end up with loads of people turning up, particularly on the, that night before we've got loads of host nation qualifiers or associate qualifiers, and it's quite busy. 
and there are lots of people everywhere you look, it's darts players left, right and centre hanging off the ceilings. But by the time you get to this final session, most of them have buggered off and gone home. And you're only, it's all a bit of a ghost town backstage, but everything that's on stage gets more and more important and the stakes are higher. It's a really good point. These European tour events are three days long. I don't know about you, but I always view the three days almost like three different tournaments. Yeah, yeah. The Friday has a, a special feel with the fact that you have a lot of the qualifiers, whether it be host nation, associate members, or the regions in Europe. So some new faces for us quite often. Yeah. And not always, not always the highest quality. That Friday afternoon session sometimes is a bit of a slog, but not always. Yeah, and we see, this is where we see some bright lights and future stars. We've seen it this weekend alone. Um, and then when you move into the Saturday, of course, that's when the 16 seeds come in. And there are 16 matches on stage, each and every match with two different players. So you just get that whole monopoly of talent that the, the PDC has from the, the very best in the world and also those that have fared well on the Friday. And then as you've mentioned, you come into the Sunday, whoever wins the title or indeed reaches the final has to play four matches in the same day. So it becomes very compact um, and for the players, you talk about it a lot in your commentary with the guys, it's not about your first game. There's always one eye, isn't there? There's always one thought about how the day's going to pan out overall and whether you're better off playing first in the afternoon, last in the afternoon. And, and, and we've seen some great, great players, down that haven't won European Tour events. Mm. Yeah, whether absolutely. that's to do with the distance of the day and the discipline, it's unique, isn't it? Yeah, look, a European champion hasn't won one of these, Rob Cross, and he won't win this one because he got knocked out by one of those host nation qualifiers who we've not seen do much before, Franz Ruch, and has been amazing this weekend. Favourite moments or moments from the Euro Tour, whether that's on the stage or just around it, favourite memories? Uh, ever? Yeah. Well, I always particularly enjoy those host player moments. So the, the Max Hot win yeah. has to be my favourite, just to be in. I was lucky to be because obviously there's two spotters, uh, Jacques and I, so sometimes I'm not on the European Tour event and Jacques is. I was lucky on that one. But I was there when Max won his first European title in Germany. I, I think that has to be my number one. Were you there? Were you there in Denmark? Where Per no, Larsen? Had no, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but um, Per Larsen, um, I do remember watching it. Cause of course, if I'm not there, Dan, I'm watching anyway and listening. So yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, we've seen it with Mensur, of course, in yeah. Austria. So I love those moments. I, I really have enjoyed that, the, the atmosphere. And of course, that's been missing for, for obvious reasons in the, in the last few events. But I must mention, we have to, don't we? Our backstage atmosphere is special in itself. Of course, these events run by PDC Europe, a predominantly German crew. But we also have this English and Dutch crew, don't we, that, that come together and that we thoroughly enjoy spending time with. So, it's always a good point, as I have a PDC official, Steve Pegram, leaning over my shoulder yeah, sorry, Pegram, to mention away, the hard-working officials that are involved. Uh, just so you know, <laughs> I am in the legend that is Steve Pegram's seat right now, having this interview with Dan. Uh, but yeah, always, you know, we love the fun, don't we, with the referees, with George, with Ras. Uh, ah, yeah, maybe this, this is a Euro Tour tradition. So, do you want to, people have picked up on this now, and logic, as we're mentioning it in commentary anyway, but when it goes five all, uh, there, there, there was a little thing, particularly with George Noble and Russ Bray when they were doing the weekends, where they were always in a race to see who could get through the weekend doing the fewest legs. And George has this knack of being ref, being ref when games yeah. go five all. 
Well, it's, talk us through how the little thing started well, between him and Russ. Four or five years ago, each and every event, the referees flip a coin to who goes first or second. Mm. So George wins the toss, picks his slot, and ends up doing almost twice as many legs as Russ. <laughs> Russ, that weekend, started to call him Fumpf Noble. Yeah, among other things. In Germany, yes. Those will be cancelled on the podcast. So the next time they work together, they flip the coin again and George opts for the opposite slot and the same thing happens. George is up there with 6-5, six, 6-5. Five, six, five. Russ walks up with 6-1, six, 6-0. Six, yeah. So it has become a tradition, not just for the referees and yourself, but with our Dutch crew here, Keytown, who deliver all of our beautiful pictures. They love to take a little look at Fum Fum Noble as the match goes 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, and sometimes you'll never see this on the coverage, but you will see George look over to the side of the stage where if Russ is there he will often be just out of camera waving up a little homemade sign with just a little word of encouragement or two on there you're absolutely but right but you're not going to elucidate on what that word of encouragement is no because is. I'd like this interview to be aired <laughs> <laughs> and it will das ist super geil super geil richtig super geil super geil ich find's super geil super geil weil werfen ist super geil Guck mal hier. Sehr, sehr geile Leute. Super. Sehr geiler Sport übrigens. Toll.